All right, if not, we'll be in back in 1 Peter, this time in chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. I haven't been... Uh, I noticed the other day I haven't really preached a whole lot from, from either the 1st or 2nd Peter, so I was digging deeper into both of these, uh, you know, trying to read, th th read through 1st Peter and you know, see what God has for us. You know, the uh, God's word is rich. Uh, it is, it's powerful. And, uh, but one of the things you notice is you will notice that there are things that are repeated over and over again. There are things that you can't miss uh, as you're going through the word. And I hope as you uh, go through the word each day, and as, you know, a lot of us are working through the entire Bible, you should see things that go that are occurring over and over again because God wants to make absolutely sure that there's no question. You know, I think about like repentance is one thing. There is no question repentance is in the Bible from the beginning to the end. You know, it is it is clear. So anyone uh, that tries to act like there's, you know, you can be right with God without repentance, it's crazy. You know, you just, you wonder, are they even getting into the Bible at all? You know, it's different things like that. Uh, you know, but I, I'm glad, you know, while sometimes things can get a little repetitive, I'm glad that God makes things clear. He knows that, uh, you you know, really all he would need to do is tell us something one time and that should be enough. Uh, but we know better, you know, those of us that uh, are parents, you know, and had had children to have them now, you know, you realize uh, just telling them once isn't enough. That's not enough. And then you look at ourselves, you know, if God only told us something one time, that that's not enough. Unfortunately, we need to be told over and over again. So I'm glad uh, that God makes it clear over and over again. But he also does it through different witnesses. You know, he uses these different writers of the, of the Bible. It's no mistake that, see, God could have just dropped the book from heaven and it'd be done and, uh, and just everything. But instead, he used men. Uh, he inspired them. He moved them. So we see their their personalities are in here. We see uh, different things. And, and I, I think that makes the Bible even more rich. That God would use, if he would use them to write his word, he'll use us to do things too. You know, so I, I, I'm thankful for it. I'm glad we can get into it. But First uh, Peter chapter 4, we're going to start the, ver the first verse. It says this, For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves uh, likewise with the same mind, for he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, uh, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revilings, banquetings, and abominations idolatries, uh, wherein they think it strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead, for, uh, for for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. Uh, but the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer, and above all 
things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Lord, we thank you again for your word. Lord, I ask that you'd use me tonight to preach. Lord, that you would fill our hearts and our minds with your word. Lord, make it plain to us. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would just uh, give me the unction to help. And Lord, open up our minds and our hearts to receive what you have. Lord, you're a good God and you're a merciful Savior. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. And amen. So we see here uh, this first verse. This is a this is a tough verse when you think about it. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. Uh, for he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. This, again, this is a tough verse because he is talking about Peter's talking about this new life after salvation, which includes not living for the flesh, uh, but battling against sin, and he's talking talking about having the same mind as Christ Jesus. And the problem is when he's talking about the same mind, he's talking about suffering. And we don't like that. We don't like to think about having a mind of looking into suffering because Jesus suffered for us. Uh, but that's what he's saying. That same mind, why Jesus suffered uh, as he was doing the Father's will. And, and you see Peter here is drawing a correlation here. He is saying, hey, as you're doing the Father's will, you will be, you will have to suffer from time to time. And, and again, we don't, in, in this world, we don't like any suffering. We don't like any uncomfort, any, or discomfort, or whatever. We don't like any of those things. We want to uh, live in peaceably and, and, and no ripples in the water, just everything good and, and everything. But we know that if we live a life separate of this world, we're going to suffer persecution from time to time. There are going to be problems that uh, that happened in our life. Uh, uh, but here's the, the thing that we see. Uh, uh, the, the suffering will happen. Again, as you do God's will, we're going to face opposition. We're going to face the devil. But then the flip side, I was thinking about as well. The further away we get from God's will, a lot of times the opposition goes away doesn't it? The opposite. Now we face trials, you know, right? Uh, there, there's problems with uh, and, uh, good times and bad times, whether you're lost or saved, whether you're in God's will or not. Uh, but we see, uh, I guarantee you, you are outside of the will of God. The devil is going to lighten up on certain things because he doesn't want to draw you back to God. He does not want that. Uh, he, he will allow you to continue in this walk away from God and he will encourage it. Uh, but here's the thing. Uh, we we don't ask for suffering. We don't like to do these things. But when we see the opposition again, it should remind us. What's he saying? We need to have the same mind that Jesus had. The same mind where he was on the cross and he said, you know what? Uh, it doesn't matter how much they oppose me. It doesn't matter how much they hate me. It doesn't matter that they're going to uh, nail me to a cross. This is the Father's will and I'm going to do it uh, for to bring honor and glory to God. And that's the same mind that we have to have. Now it's hard. Again, I said this, this is a very difficult verse, easy to read, uh, hard to live out, but it's a reminder of that connection there, I think, that we see. And he's saying, hey, uh, uh, what happened is we, we see a, now when it says cease from sin, that doesn't mean we get to a point where we don't sin anymore. 
That means I believe it goes along with that, that where salvation we know breaks the power of sin, breaks that bondage that sin has over us, and we need to work to not live after the flesh. That's what you see uh, a lot in this passage. Well, look at verse 2. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. And this is another thing that I see repeated over and over again in God's will. There, in God's word, we have two options. We have either we're going to uh, follow the flesh, we're going to follow our own desires, we're going to follow our own will, or we're going to follow the will of God. Uh, it's one way or another. It's a choice we have to make every day and throughout the day. Uh, and just because we followed God yesterday doesn't mean we're necessarily going to do it today. We've got to choose each day who we're going to serve, just like Joshua said. And this is what he's saying. He's saying, hey, once you're saved, uh, we should no longer be serving the flesh. Not just with uh, sinning against God, but we should not be feeding the flesh. We shouldn't be saying, hey, uh, this is what... This is what I want to do. This is my will and everything. No, we should be turning to God's will, wanting to please the Lord, wanting to do his will. Uh, and, and here again, it's a reminder of what happened in salvation. Verse three, uh, for the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought uh, the will of the Gentiles. He's saying, hey, uh, before you were saved in that time before your life was different. You were doing the will of the Gentiles, doing the will of the sinners. When you walked in lasciviousness, love excess of wine, revilings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. You think about each one of those things. That describes the world today. That describes... They can't do anything without excess of wine. They can't do anything without feeding uh, and uh, going towards the lusts and everything else. They can't do any of this without a party. They can't do anything without standing up an idol. And it doesn't have to be a statue like we've talked about. They, uh, they, they bow down to many idols of their mind and everything else he's saying hey that's the time past for a christian that's the time past now again we're not reaching perfection uh, at this point it doesn't matter who who says that we won't be perfected until we receive a glorified body and the sin is gone and everything else but he's reminding he's saying hey there's a difference in time uh, uh you know this was the former life uh that was get that was given up but you know what the devil does he wants us to look back at the former life and think about the things we miss. And you know, the children of Israel did the exact same thing. I was thinking about this. Remember, God brought them out of the bondage. He, he brings them out. They're in the wilderness. And what did they complain about? At one point, they complained, we don't have any leeks and onions. Remember when we were in Egypt, we had leeks and onions. And you're thinking, how ridiculous is that? Yes, you might have given that up. Yes, they weren't naturally growing in the wilderness where you were at, that desert place. Uh, but uh, they're thinking about just, uh, you know, things that they would add to a dish to kind of liven it up. And are they forgetting the cruel bondage? Are they forgetting uh, uh, Pharaoh's lash and the servants? Uh, they were had to make brick without straw. Are they forgetting all these things? things see that's the the devil wants us to do the same thing he wants us to uh to think about the our life before becoming saved and and start to think about little things because that's the only uh maybe you'll point out one or two teeny little good things 
uh, that we might have enjoyed and make us forget the life that we lived in sin, that life uh, uh, full of evil, uh, awful consequences, that life with no hope, uh, wondering what would happen if you don't wake up, that life of all the uh, that bitter uh, 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 guilt and everything else. Our old life was awful. Their old life in Egypt was awful. It was in bondage. Our life was in bondage. We were an enemy to God. We were living our lives in sin. And all that sin brought was hurt and pain and, and destruction uh, and all those consequences. And it would have eventually led to death. So anytime we think about that past, we need to say, praise God, I'm not there anymore. Praise God, he didn't leave me there. And you know, he think of this, if God, uh, if he just forgave us of our sins and left us in bondage, yeah, we would have a clean record, but we'd still be getting the whip, right? We'd still be feeling all of those things, but I'm glad he saved us. He gave us a new life, gave us the Holy Spirit, real hope, real promises, and all of these things. Uh, and our life is so much better it doesn't even compare if we honestly look at it and that's not the devil doesn't want us to honestly look at it but we honestly look at it our life now doesn't even compare to the former life it's not even close not a little bit better it's completely better but i you know verse four really caught me look what it says wherein they think now this is the the gentiles the world wherein they think it's strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. And I thought, what better, you know, I like uh, different times it's hard sometimes to judge where you're at in your Christian life. Sometimes it's hard to really, uh, you know, sometimes we question, am I where God wants me to be? A am I really doing? Because again, the devil wants to deceive. He wants you to get you to think that you, uh, you know, if you're doing the right thing, he wants to get you to doubt. Uh, he wants you to get you to quit and everything else. But then I looked at verse four. So remember, in the past life in verse three, there was lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revilings, banquetings, and abominable uh, idolatries and those things are going ongoing over and over again but when a true christian repents turns from the old life finds salvation in jesus christ gets a new life and starts to live differently what does this world do they think it's strange don't they what on earth are you doing why are you not doing this with us right why are you not living the way that we do why uh, uh why that's weird why would you do that why would you go to church on a Wednesday night? Why would you give money uh, to the Lord? Why would you support some missionary you've never met? Why would you do? Why would you give your life to a God that you've never seen before? Why? Why would you dedicate and waste your time uh, when you could be uh, doing things for yourself? They think it's strange, and I thought, my goodness, what a test! Because the Bible said, how long ago did the Lord give this to Peter? And it's still true today. This world thinks we're strange when we don't do what they do, right? What else do they do? Look at the last part, speaking evil of you, right? What else? They think it's strange. That's the nice part. But then they talk about us, don't they? Not good things, not, not great things. You know what I think, you know what it makes me chuckle is uh, uh, not the employer I have now, but previous ones. You know, they, you think about what's a model employee, someone that shows up every day, someone that works the whole day, 
someone that can be trusted, right? Someone that's not going to cheat them. Someone that's, I mean, you just go down through the list. Someone that does what they need to do. And a lot of times more than that. And you start to think about a lot of these characteristics are a true Christian makes a great employee, yeah. right? Yes. A really good one. But they look at it and they say, well, you, you're not really a good employee, because you're not accepting everything that we want you to accept, right? Uh, you're not after work. You're not reviling and doing excess of wine. Uh, you're not doing this. You're not doing that. We think it's strange. So they would be willing to cut loose of somebody that's a good employee, that's trustworthy and everything else, just because we want to live a different life. Don't you see it? It's still true. That's what he's saying right here. I tell you what, we, and, and here's the thing, I, I, I've heard churches, they try to say, well, we want to, well, they, they don't always say it this way, but they, along the lines of, we want to be more appealing to the world. Well, here's the problem. You can't be appealing to the world and tell people they need to repent and tell people they're a sinner and tell people that Jesus died on the cross and bled for their sins. All that is offensive, but so is hell. We don't want them to go there. I'm telling you what, if we're doing what we should be doing, this world's going to think we're strange and they're going to speak evil of us. Guess what? They did the same thing with Jesus Christ, yes. right? When he came, they had a plan for his life. They said, you are going to overthrow Rome. You're going to take over and we're going to, we want to remember the two sons there. The mom said, hey, will you make them the right and the left hand in your new kingdom? She had no idea what she was asking. Why? Because it was strange. It was strange that he would die on the cross to set up his kingdom. This world thinks we're strange when we don't run to them. They speak evil of us, but I'm telling you what, don't, don't change. That means we're going to have friction at school and at work around our friends and family and worldly people because of our choice to no longer run with the same crowd. It's going to happen every time. And I think about Joseph. Remember, he suffered uh, for righteousness sake many times. Remember Potiphar's wife? Uh, you know, he was, in a, he was far away from his family, far away from his people. I'm sure the opportunities, there were many because she tried over and over again. There were probably times where they wouldn't have got caught. Nobody would have known any better. But Joseph said, no, I'm not going to do it because of his God. And he ended up being thrown in prison for it. These things will happen. But I'm glad that it's worth it. Because look at verse 5. Who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? Why is it okay to continue to suffer? Why is it okay to continue to live different than this world? Why should we be doing the will of God? Why should we not be walking the way the Gentiles do, even though they speak evil of us and everything else? Because we will give an account to Jesus Christ. And here's another thing that I see over and over again, right? What do we see? Repentance. We see a changed life. We see living uh, for the Lord. And we see... Uh, judgment after that and here's what we see again he is ready to judge he is why is he ready judges today some of them they will it'll be the day of they'll be getting ready to do the uh, the trial will be in an hour and they will speed read as much as they can they're not really ready to judge they're just they'll just make do with what happens he knows exactly yeah. Everything we've done, everything we haven't done. Amen. Amen. 
He knows who has trusted in Him and who has not. He knows in the Lamb's book of life and who is not. He's ready to judge. And again, that means uh, if we should be living our life to this point, we don't have to impress the world because we don't have to answer to this world. They think that we're strange. They, they speak evil of us. But here's the thing. We've got a judge and he's in heaven, right? We're enduring trials. We're enduring problems, suffering, heartache, and everything else. Well, where's the judge? He's up in heaven. Guess what he's doing? Preparing a place for us. That's what he said. I go away to prepare a place for you. And the best part is he's saying, I'm coming again one day to bring you uh, so we can be together forever. We can dwell with eternity, him in eternity. And, you know, we're reminded over and over again, uh, another theme of the Bible, we don't deserve any of that, right? We don't deserve it. It's grace and it's mercy. We don't deserve a relationship with God. We don't uh, uh, deserve escaping the wages of sin being death. But aren't you glad through his mercy and compassion and following the Father's will, Jesus Christ, what did he do? He uh, uh, uh he despised the shame. He endured the cross. Why? He did that for you and I. Praise God. So that we can follow in his footsteps. Jesus, Peter's telling us something right here. He's saying, hey, for the rest of the time, we need to focus on God's will. Right? And the more we dig into the Bible, we see that over and over again. I'm glad we're not going to be judged by the standards of this world, but by his word and his will. Verse 6, for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might according to be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. And you think about it. If we're all going to stand before the judge one day, what should it make us do? Not only do the Father's will, but spread the gospel, right? If every single person in this world is going to stand before Jesus Christ, we should be proclaiming the gospel to the lost. That's the ones he's talking about that are dead. Not that they're dead and we're going to speak to them after this life or anything else. They're walking around spiritually dead. There are people there. They're dead. They're, they are just uh, they're a few steps away from death. They don't even realize it. And they think everything's okay. But they're dead. And you can say, well, Mike, does it really mean that? Well, look at the rest of the verse. He's saying that they might be adjudged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God, the spirit. He's saying, hey, uh, we preach that gospel to them that maybe just maybe uh, they will accept Jesus Christ after being uh, that mercy and after that grace of God and the Holy Spirit touching them. Maybe they will decide to choose uh, a Jesus Christ and walk away from the old life and they'll go from a walking dead to a live person, right? Living for God, living according to God and the Spirit. But then look at the reminder. Verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Do you believe that today? Yes. Do you believe it? Peter believed it. The early church believed it. And we should even more believe it. Because I'll tell you one thing, even when he's talking about the days being short and people will mockingly say like they did back then uh, to Paul, they'll mockingly say, well, he hasn't come back yet, right? Uh, he, has he delayed his coming? Is he lost? Is something wrong? And we'll say, no, here's the thing. Even if the Lord does not come back in any of our lifetimes, the days are, are short. There's not a lot of time left. The end of all things is at hand. What's he say? Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. We got to be sober-minded. Because what was the opposite? 
Remember the, the world? Lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revilings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. He's saying if the world is all off in deception, all off in doing all these things they think are good, but in fact are destroying their lives and causing pain and suffering, we need to be sober-minded. And one of the things uh, I preached last in in first uh, first Peter chapter one, I didn't do this verse. I think I actually started uh, right after it. But first Peter one thirteen says this: Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's saying, Hey, gird up the loins of your mind, uh, and 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 that gird up what he's talking about. Is kind of like we would say, roll up your sleeves. Roll up the sleeves of your mind as if you're getting ready to work. They had those long robes. They had to kind of tie it up if they were going to work so the robe wouldn't get all tangled up and everything. And Peter, uh, through the Holy Spirit, is telling us that, hey, uh, as the time gets further, as this last time, we cannot turn off our mind. We can't put our minds on cruise control. Our mind has to be thinking, uh, discerning, uh, uh, looking, and and taking God's word and saying, you know what, uh, uh, how should I tackle this situation? Uh, what is God's word telling me? Uh, I should be praying about these things. I should be being sober. Uh, I should do all these things. Why? Because we are in a constant spiritual battle and that battlefield is in the mind. That's where it's at. He's saying, hey, if you're making decisions or even just everyday life, we need to have biblical thinking. Because if we don't, you know what cruise control does? It sends you right back into the broad way of the world. Right? Every time. Every time. He's saying, hey, we got to be sober and watch into prayer. You know, one of the things that you've probably heard drives me a little crazy is I've heard Christians say, well, if the door opens, I'll walk through, whether it's a job or something else. Right? If, if God opens that door, I'll walk through it. Maybe you've said this yourself. Maybe you've said it yourself. Maybe you've thought it yourself. That's not biblical. Not at all. Because I'll ask you this question. Has God always closed every door that's against his will, that's sinful, right? Has he closed every single door? No. No. We've walked through plenty of them in our life that we never should have. So we can't just say, if the door's open, I'm just going to walk right through it. No, you know what we need to be? We need to be sober-minded. We need to get God's word. We need to get in prayer. And if our best thing is, well, the door's open, I'm going to walk through it. We need to get back into the word and say, God, tell me, if, show me if this door is the right one. Because guess what? There's plenty of open doors. And a lot of times we just... Don't even, we ignore all the ones we want to ignore and we say, well, that one looks great. You know who else did that? Lot. He had plenty of open doors. He looked towards Sodom. He said, it looked like sinful Egypt, worldly Egypt. I want to go where that is. Guess what? God didn't stop him. He won't stop you either. As we're these last times, we do not have time 
to go the wrong way. We don't have time to continue to feed the flesh. We don't have time to walk in the way of the Gentiles. We only have time to do God's will. And we can only do that if we're sober-minded and we're prayerful and we think about, hey, today I'm going to do God's will. Today I'm going to serve him. And guess what? We're not always successful, right? I, many times we set out to do things. We get to the end of the day. I never did that. I never did. I know God wants me to do this. But hey, yesterday Today's gone. Today's almost gone. Uh, tomorrow's a new day. And say, you know what? I'm going to do what I've been putting off. That's all right. Just do it. Let's do it. Let's move forward. And here we'll finish with this. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. And at the end, he's saying, hey, he has just hit us with all kinds of things that are hard. All kinds of things that are tough pills to swallow. That are easy to say, but hard to live out. And then he says this. Hey. You know what will help you get it through? Not just the Bible, not just prayer, but you guys loving each other. That's why I love this church. One of the many reasons we stand on the truth, but also that it feels like a family. And I know I can call on people. I know that when we put out a prayer request, I know that people are getting on their knees. Uh, why? Because we've seen the results. We would not see those results if we did not have people genuinely calling out to the Lord. We, we, we lift each other up when we're down. You know, we've cried together. We've celebrated together and everything in between. And that is what needs to continue. Because here's the thing. Uh, the world is working against us, but guess what? Greater is the one that's inside of us than the one that's in the world. And he's put us together for a reason, because when we come together, there's even more strength than that. And I'm excited. I know the days are the days are getting hard. The days are getting darker. But guess what? The darker it is, the more the little light that we have shines in the darkness, right? We can't quit and we can't act like this world.